This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a post-game episode of State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined, as always, by Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed, and Ted Wynn. And what can you say? The largest blown lead in franchise history. 20 to nothing at halftime. The Raiders lose. 29-23 in overtime. They give up a touchdown and a two-point conversion on the final play of the game. No time left. Uh, that was the second touchdown and two-point conversion the Cardinals had in the fourth quarter. And then Hunter Renfro fumbles twice in a three-play span, the second of which is returned by Byron Murphy for a touchdown. And he almost, Deshaun Jackson did. He almost let go of that ball a little bit too early, but it was a walk-off fumble return for a touchdown. And the Raiders are 0-2. Uh, it's just it's hard to hard to understate the magnitude of how disappointing this loss is, uh, and uh, it's 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 it was a pretty crushing one. We've talked about how they've had so many you know, horrible, uh, you know, soul crushing losses over the years, and this is the latest one. But to me, this one is not it's not say worse, but just really bad because the Cardinals clearly did not have interest in winning this game early on. They were getting dominated, and to me, it looks like they were ready to check out. Like, even they came back after halftime, that first that first possession, like, eh, what are we doing here? Let's just get, let's get, hop on the bus, let's get some food. So they give the Raiders the ball back, and then the Raiders that three and out. And then there's this long, kind of boring, I guess we'll score kind of deal. And, hey, we're actually maybe in this game. And then – all of a sudden, Kyle Murray's playing, you know, playing tag, and guys can't can't get him. But just it, to me, the Cardinals clearly want were ready to lose. They were ready to to bow out, and the Raiders gave them every possible chance to get back in the game. And then everything had to happen a certain way to lose the game. It's nuts. It's really it's crazy. Yeah, it's a cliche, but it's really a tale of two halves. Because that first half, I mean, you know, I was thinking as I was watching it, like it's the best first half of Raiders football I've seen since I got on the beat and. Looking it up, it was their best first half performance since since 2015. Ah, you, you looked it up, you jinxed yes. them. See, that yeah. was the, uh, <laughs> I was like, wow, this seems unprecedented. They're they're playing like excellent. It's like everything was playing out like we thought it was going to play out during the season or during the, during the week. We all you know predicted this to be a pretty comfortable win for the Raiders, and all the reasons were, were were showing up. The pass rush was going early. The offense was more balanced. They were they they taking advantage of them both in the pass game and the run game, and in the second half, just everything fell apart, and it was. It wasn't like, you know, the Cardinals suddenly had this this explosion or the Raiders started turning the ball over like crazy. It was just a really slow, methodical comeback. 
and every step along the way, it just it just seemed like it was destined for for the Raiders to blow that lead somehow. I mean, the Cardinals' first two point conversion with Kyler Murray running around, it seemed like a play out of Madden. We just your quarterback just running back and forth for thirty seconds, and then somehow ends up converting it. Uh, once once that happened, it was like all right, it, it seems like some things are amiss here for the Raiders, but some weird play calling in the second half. It was like they were strangely conservative without burning any clock. Like usually, you know, if they just handed the ball off a few times and it's like, oh, they're being, running on first down, running on second down and throwing and be like, oh, you're complaining about that. No, they were just throwing a bunch of short passes that didn't go anywhere and, and punting the ball very quickly without really taking any any time off the clock. And so it, it was a weird, uh, the offensive play calling, um, you know, Last week, it was kind of reversed. They started off slow and got going in the second half. This week, they started off fast and, and tapered off in the second half. And so it just seems like an inconsistent team, I think, is the, the overall message to this point. And that's that's played out in the first two games. It's only two games, but it seems pretty clear there's going to be a trade of this team, at least early on in the season. Yeah, it, to me, it seemed like in the first half, the, the Cardinals played the opposite game plan as they played last week against the Chiefs. They, I guess the Chiefs, they blitzed a lot. They played a lot of man coverage, and they got – blown out and I, I think against the Raiders they try to play a lot of soft zone give a lot of cushion to these receivers and and Carr was able to just pick them apart uh, throwing right in front of them and the run game was was working pretty well in the first half too and in the second half you know after a first down run if it didn't go for for much they would start going to the passing game it just didn't look like Carr was very comfortable I think they played a little bit tighter on the Raiders they brought a little bit more pressure and it does not look like Carr was comfortable with what he was seeing or, you know, his reads. He doesn't did not throw with anticipation. There's a pass where Renfro stopped and Carr was just like staring at him. It looked like he didn't know which way Renfro was going to break. And then he missed that pass of second down, which led to a third and long and then and then a stop. So um, he didn't look comfortable in the second half. And a lot, some of that has to do with play calling. Like you have to find a way to get your number one receiver the ball. Uh, some of that just looked like Carr does not look like he he's, he's knows what he's doing quite yet in this, his offense on every snap. Vic, I kind of wonder, you know, you wrote about it on, on Saturday. With this offense right now, Derek Carr is doing what Josh McDaniels wants him to do. Some of these, there, there are plays where it is a predetermined read. You're going and you're throwing it to that play. That's not where Derek Carr has typically succeeded in the past. He's succeeded in the past with his ability to go up to the line of scrimmage, be able to make adjustments and and be able to read plays. Does this kind of concern you that um, th- this this way that Josh McDaniels is kind of forcing Derek Carr into this rigid, you are going to do only what I tell you to do? I think definitely it's growing pains. I'm sure both guys are going to have to learn to adjust to each other. And I think like in the past, in a game like today, uh, they're starting to you know, bog down a little bit in offense. Derek Carr would throw the ball. You know, three straight times to Adams or three straight times to Crabtree. He'd, he'd go to his guy who, you know, Renfro maybe a, a times last year. He'd find the guy who he knew where he'd be and force him the ball. And, and sometimes it's a good result. Sometimes it's, it's good to force guys the ball. I think that today was a case where, you know, first half, I don't watch the, the telecast. I'm, I'm at the game, but I'm sure they must have graphics like, oh, the Raiders are spreading the ball around. They got three to Hollands. They got Renfro going. And they, don't even need, they don't even need Adams. Adams only has two catches and they're, they're on fire. But that second half, you know, the guy has no catches. So I'm sure the whole graphic is reversed. Like, hey, what, what happened to Devontae Adams? The guy, you know, the new star of the franchise, the face of the franchise, and the guy who I'm sure wanted the ball with the game on the line. His grandparents watched him the first time of his life. And uh, I know he was pissed off. He left in a huff. Uh, the game was over. So 
I just, uh, to me, you know, they all have to work together. I'm sure that it's, like I said, growing pains. But at some point, uh, Devontae and Derek have to have, like, some more, I won't say input, but there has to be a point where, okay, this is our guy. Let's go Let's go to our guy and let's win this game because you can't cover me. That's the thing with Devontae. You can't cover me. Like, you, uh, you can do A, B, and C, and you can't get me. So, in this case, there was no A, B, and C. It just was nothing. So, to me, that's the, the the biggest concern is like they never went back to what they do well, which you would think a good play caller would would do. You guys were there at the game, but we couldn't see from a TV copy. But there was a pass in overtime to Devontae Adams. I think it was a deep pass where it, the pass was almost intercepted. Was Adams wide? It looked like he was wide open on that one. A car just threw really far behind him. Yeah, it was behind him. I'm not sure if it was due to pressure or what, but definitely he had a step on the guy. The guy, the the DB was behind him. And then the pass was behind him, so DB was able to step up to the ball behind Devontae. But definitely the ball, if it was ahead of him, going to be a, a big play for sure. It looked like it might have been some kind of miscommunication because Adams looked like kind of confused. Um, like he didn't even really make a play on the ball um, you know, when it was thrown behind him. So maybe Carr thought he was going one way and he went the other way or maybe just a bad throw. We, we, don't, we don't know. But um, definitely looked like some kind of miscommunication was, was going on there. If Carr does hit Adams in that situation, I think it's okay for for Adams to have some low target games because part of the appeal of his offense is that you don't have to force him targets because you have you know Waller who's one of the top guys at his position and and Renfo is like one of the top receivers in the in uh, slot receivers in the league. So I mean, if you hit that big play to Adams and all of a sudden you know he makes that big play in a big impact moment, does that? sort of alleviate the fact that you know you're not force feeding Adams the you know the way that they did in the in the first game yeah I mean you don't have to force it to him but I don't think you have to force it to him to get him get him more targets I think he has seven targets in this game um, I think there's ways you can scheme up even some easy targets like the Packers used to do if it's quick screens or slants or shorter passes if, if you know if I have to rewatch the game, but I'm not sure if they would provide an extra safety help on his side or anything of that nature. But I, uh, I think there's way help. Yeah, I think you, you can give him getting some more targets than than what he had and, and some more catches without it being, you know, you don't have to do 17, but, you know, probably more than they did today, especially with, with this Cardinal secondary. I don't think there's any world beaters in that secondary. So I'm pretty sure there were opportunities for him to to get loose back there. Yeah, I mean, in a seven target game. I mean, seven targets isn't isn't terrible. But I, I think the quality of the targets wasn't great, yeah, right? Um, I agree. You know, I mean, it, it, especially in the second. I mean, target him once over the final two quarters. And we know they didn't have the ball for very many plays in the third and fourth quarter. Um, you know, they did target him twice in overtime, but only once, one target over the final two quarters. Um, I just don't think the quality uh, was there. And I mean, it, I don't think that the hand wringing is necessarily over the, the number of targets. It's more the fact that, like, he's a really freaking good receiver and you get the ball in his hands, he helps you win games. And, uh, you can draw penalties, all that kind of thing, and um, yeah, it's just it's it's pretty mind-boggling that uh, I I don't think we expected a game like this, uh, you know, especially against a team like this. I think because Josh Jacobs is running the ball well enough, and you got Waller, Renfro, Adams, you know, even Moreau was was, was a factor today. Old line's not playing bad. Old line's doing okay, even without Andre James, or you know, so there's no reason for your offense to fall off. You know, there's no reason to have three points in the second half. All those things are, if you have Josh Jacobs getting four yards of carry, who blocked well today, I thought he played pretty well, set the tone early. And at times you kind of, I just thought, uh, I think the word I used was erratic in my story. I think Josh McDaniels kind of didn't know what he wanted to do. And at times I thought he was just, he was always kind of 
little off rhythm. I think there were times where, like in that one possession in the um, early fourth quarter, they're up 16 points, they have the ball, they throw three short passes all incomplete, takes up nine seconds off the clock, when I think you have to run the ball, at least one of those plays, to get some time off the clock. And there are other times where I just thought he's, he wasn't in sync. And I don't know if that's him and Derek or it's him just kind of like and in, in mismatches with the, with the Cardinals he was trying to exploit. But um, all I heard about was this guy is a great you know guy who creates mismatches. And so far, it's the first two games, it's kind of been a little hit and miss. It seems like they were overthinking it offensively in the second half. It was almost like trying to do the opposite of what you would expect them to do in certain situations. Like, I think they're already probably, oh, they're expecting us to run the ball, so let's just throw a quick pass instead. And then you get into a second and 10, and you're like, oh, well, you know, we don't want to just punt on the drive. Let's stay aggressive, go for the pass. Because, you know, it's one of those things where if a team, you know, runs too much, then the fans are like, oh, why don't you just stay aggressive and keep your, your foot on their neck? And if you run too, if you don't run, and it's like, oh, why don't you chew the clock? So you kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't a little bit in those situations. But I think in general, they just got a little, little bit too cute in those situations and should have went with the conventional wisdom and, and, and tried to chew some more clock off. Cause I mean, as we saw going down to the wire, the, the Cardinals needed every one of those seconds that they have. And so even if they ran the ball, even if it didn't go anywhere, if they ran the ball once on that possession, maybe the Cardinals don't have enough time at the end to, to get that touchdown they needed. And it's not even only about running time off the clock. It's the fact that your defense was on the field for so damn long in that second half. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, the Cardinals' first drive of, of the second half, they don't score. They turn the ball over on downs, but they go nine plays, 64 yards. Then the next drive, it's a nine-play, 59-yard drive, get the touchdown. Then it's the 18-play, 65-yard drive, obviously, that, that leads to the touchdown uh, to end the game. The Cardinals really have three possessions in the uh, in the second half. I mean, that's how much they were possessing the ball. So, like, th- those few times that the Raiders had the ball— I mean, they kind of owed it to their defense to, to give those guys a little bit of a breather. And and so I, I think that's one of the reasons why you we're not here sitting ripping the, the Raiders defense that much for for letting the Cardinals come back on them. And, and you know, obviously, I mean, you, you look at some of the plays that Kyler Murray made. I mean, 20.8 seconds. He scrambled around on that two point conversion, ran 84.9 yards all over the field, uh, according to next gen stats. But I, I think some of that is understandable just based on the fact that those guys were just out there for way too long and, and getting really gassed. And I mean, we saw, you know, on some of those big plays Kyler Murray made, Max Crosby was really close to getting to him and just couldn't get to him. He had him but, in his uh, arms. It was another pretty he had quiet. Him in his arms. Yeah, had him in his arms. That fourth and four, um, he had him. I will say it was a pretty quiet day again from Chandler Jones. We all kind of thought that he would uh, show up against his former team, and, and he was he was pretty quiet. Yeah, I don't have too many critiques for the defense. I mean, they, they were playing without – Three starters, uh, linebacker Denzel Perryman, cornerback Anthony Averitt, and then safety Trayvon Merrick. Um, and, you know, Cardinals has some players out as well. Um, but, you know, that, that stuff does matter. But I do think two areas where they, they kind of dropped the ball towards the end of the game was they had some opportunities to, to get off the field. I mean, the Cardinals didn't do well on third down really the whole game, but they had three fourth down conversions in the second half. Uh, you just, you know, situ- just got to get off the field. You know, some of those plays where they could have got a stop and they just didn't make a play. And then, in terms of their pass rush, and we, we talked about this last week, it's, it's not so much the sacks because they, they pressured Justin Herbert a lot last week. Um, and I'm sure, you know, uh, we don't have their pressure numbers yet, but they probably pressured Kyler Murray a good amount. But they, 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 they didn't do a good job of containing him in the pocket. You know, he was able to, you know, whether it was him actually running or just extending and throwing throwing the ball, um, you know, he really hurt them in that area. And that's two straight weeks where um, they, they've kind of faltered. Um, and, and so – those were even, you know, with the injuries and, and the defense making some plays, especially early on in the first half. I think those are two areas where 
they need to shore things up moving forward. Do you guys think that they changed their um, defensive plan at all when they got the big lead? It seemed like they had more pass rush early on, and I thought they were a little less aggressive. I'm not sure if that's just the way the game was going, but I wonder if – I don't want to say a prevent defense, but it seemed like they were more on their heels in the third quarter and in the fourth quarter. Kind of, uh, I just thought they weren't uh, forcing the action defensively as they were in the first half. I think they did play softer. I think they did play a little softer coverage and gave up some stuff uh, underneath. But I, my criticism of the defense would be when they got into the red zone, and I, I know Patrick Graham likes rushing three. That's part of his uh, his scheme. But like, and I think the theory is you're rushing three, but you have a bunch of zone eyes on Murray in case he runs. But then when he's running around for 20 seconds, he causes so much chaos that everybody's out of position. So it doesn't matter, you know, if you have eyes on him, everybody's out of position, and you know that clearly became a factor. And then okay, if that happens once or twice fine but like they kept on do you know playing so much too high in in the red zone and just rushing three or four and you couldn't contain them rushing three or four so i was expecting like to see maybe a heavy blitz and just play man and take your chances playing man uh because if you send more defenders out at him there's less rushing lanes and less time for him to you know run around and go in circles and stuff so I, I that that was my criticism of the play calling it was it did get conservative and i thought he should have turned up the aggression when it became clear that they weren't going to contain him with a three man rush yeah i think in the in the first half they they typically if i remember correctly on third down if it was obvious passing situations you would see them kind of go to more of those those dime looks uh, with a third safety or play really far off the line of scrimmage so i don't think that was something it maybe wasn't unique to the second half, but I do agree that once, you know, you see him starting to figure that out, because I, I talked to Nate Hobbs a little bit in the locker room, and he was saying, you know, he felt like it was more about the Cardinals, you know, sort of reacting to what the Raiders game plan was. They tried to just translate what they did in the first half to the second half, and the Cardinals were the team that made adjustments. But once the Cardinals adjusted, the Raiders just kept doing what they were doing. And I think that's what you're kind of speaking to is, and it, and it, it is surprising for Patrick Graham, because he's usually pretty flexible in game and, and willing to change fronts, change coverages, mix things up. They kind of played it safe. They, you know, I guess the, another cliche, they kind of played not to lose in this one. Um, you know, softer coverages, safe coverages, being conservative on offense without without running the football much. You know, they had a nice cushion there, obviously, three-score lead, uh, but it wasn't an insurmountable cushion or anything of that nature. And so, especially once it started to become a game and it was clear that, that they were kind of in the danger zone, you know, you would have liked to see some more adjustments from the coaching staff. Well, we also have to give credit to Kyler Murray because he made some amazing plays. Like some of those plays were by the skin of his teeth, you know, like breaking away from Max Crosby on fourth and four. And then that that touchdown pass in the back of the end zone with like, you know, barely any space to to, to make it. So credit to him, you know, like we're criticizing play calling. But I mean, he, he made some uh, amazing plays in, in that second half. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Hey, hey. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop. A.J. Green was letting him down, man. A.J. Green drops that touchdown pass. He dropped that other one. I mean, I know Raider fans are going to point to, you know, did he hang on to that two-point conversion? I, you know, they, they kept showing a replay on TV that, uh, you know, like there was there a bobble? But, like, the replay was super blurry. I mean, I, I hope that the the actual replay had, had a better view. Um, 
And I know, you know, the other Raider fans are going to point to, uh, you know, what the holding call on Roderick Teamer that that seemed pretty soft. Um, but like this is one of those games where like, uh, I don't you know, you can complain about a holding call or whatever you want. Uh, the, Ra- the, the way the Raiders spectacularly blew this, you can't want you can't blame this on a, on maybe a bad holding call. It came down to the last play of the game. So I didn't make one more play in offensive defense and they win the game. It really came down to the last play and all those, to me, the glaring, you know, um, mistakes and, and lost chances of the offense in the third and fourth quarter. Just one one better play call, one catch, one better pass, and they win that game. And uh, it's a whole different uh, scenario because I think um, I think at some point it's going to be hard. I mean, I mean, that's early. I mean, everyone's confident. Everyone's going to have a good team, but – there's got to be some doubt, Cooper. There's got to be some doubt. Like, are we doing the right things? We're 0 2. This is not what we thought was going to happen. And you got three really tough games coming up. So all of a sudden, it's a, it's a crucial time for this team. If Renfro hangs on to that ball, they most likely win that game. You know, it's second, what, it's second down. If he, he hangs on to that ball and you're already at field goal range. Did he gain the yards that play? Was that, he, was did, that like a, he did. Like a, he gained, I think, one. one yeah, he would have been at the uh, at, the Cardinals thirty-eight. It would have been third. Would have been third and nine at the thirty-eight. Thirty-eight. That's makeable. That's makeable. When you get first down at the thirty-nine, like you get Moreau gets the the ball back and the fumble recovery. Why well, just run Josh three times and give them? You know, Dana Carlson's been incredible, and you know, at home, I would just I would run Josh three times and which hash work you want. Okay, I get not running it three times just because like. Since at least run yeah, it once, yeah, run it once. But like, I get not like settling for the long field goal because if you miss it, obviously, then you know the Cardinals have great field position and your defense is started to break down. But Renfro on that play, I, you know, he, that was his second fumble that drive. Uh, it looked like on that play he got because he obviously got evaluated for a concussion. It looked like he had some kind of contact to his to his helmet. Um, so we'll, we'll see on that moving forward. It's it's too early to panic, but. Like Derek Carr was all, after the game, he's kind of already bringing out the like, I believe in this team speech that we usually get out of him. Like, you know, the, you always got to get what, at least one or two. Yeah, of but here. it's like, damn, I don't think they expected that to happen after week two. You know what I mean? Like maybe, maybe like halfway through the season, but but week two is a little early for, for that one. Maybe after like a cheat, you lose to the Chiefs, you know, one of those blowout losses to the Chiefs. That's when those come out usually. Well, I wasn't in there. I went straight to the locker room. I didn't, I didn't go there to the podium for Derek, but didn't he say at some point, we're not crappy? I think he said, we're not crappy and I. No, he was he was like, you know, this crap isn't over. Um we feel we feel crappy right now, but yada, 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 that kind of that kind of thing. You know, they're saying we're gonna figure it out, all that kind of stuff. You know, the the Derek Carisms that we that we get uh, at least once a year. Um, which, you know, I mean I don't you know what what do you want him to say? Yeah, we suck, you know, but it it feels a little early for that that to be because I didn't really ask him to to say anything along those lines, so I'll read the full quote. He's like, you know me, I'm optimistic. This crap ain't over. We feel crappy right now, but we are still a good football team. And so we're making sure we keep that mindset. Not, oh no, it's over. Yeah, who said they weren't good? I mean, I, I don't, I mean to me, I, so I didn't, I, I didn't, know. I just asked him like what goes into improving during. No, you, come on, Deshaun, you went up there. It's like, so well, why do you suck? Yeah, yeah, That's, yeah, that was your question, yeah, right? So, <laughs> so, I mean, where did they go from there? 0 2 is historically not, not been easy to recover from. And, in a 17 game season, 0 and 2 should not sound like something that you know is is all that bad. But um, you know, in the last three seasons, no team that's started 0 and 2 has made the playoffs. Um, and we know the AFC West is going to be really hard. Um, I think we all had skepticism about the Broncos going into the season anyway. And 
through two weeks uh, there. Uh, I, it actually looks like the Broncos may have downgraded at head coach when they uh, they got rid of Vic, Vic Fangio. But, I mean, it, between the Chiefs and the Chargers, it's going to be a tough division. Um, so I think that's the biggest fear is is at 0-2. Um, if you were 0-2 in the NFC, I'd probably feel fine. The NFC is, is a much weaker division. But 0-2 in the AFC feels like it, it could be pretty tough to come back from. Yeah, I mean, you know, they play the Titans next week on the road. But, I mean, the Titans just lost to the Giants, and they're probably going to get throttled by the Bills tomorrow, I would expect. So they're probably also going to be 0-2 going into that game. Bengals are already 0-2. Yeah, so I think it's, it's feasible to beat the Titans. Um, and the Broncos seem to suck. So, like, you know, they could be 2-2 two two after the next two weeks, and everybody feels fine. But I don't, I don't know if the Broncos suck. I, I think mean. they might suck. I mean, they lost to the Seahawks <laughs> and then, like, almost the lost Seahawks, to the Texans. Was Super Bowl. They almost the lost Seahawks to the Seahawks and the for... Texans. It was, like, two of the five worst teams. I mean, they need, they need they needed their fans to count down the play clock for them just so they can get a damn playoff. Don't be wrong; like they can still beat the Raiders if like anything can happen. Obviously, as today's show, but like the next two opponents aren't like some juggernauts. You know what I mean? Like I think I think it's pretty beatable. They're pretty beatable, but if they lose to the Titans and fall to zero and three, then they might be cooked. I, I won't. I know we said this last year at a certain point, and they make the playoffs and made us all look stupid. But if they lose to the Titans. I probably won't say the season is over, but like, I don't know. It might be very close to being there. They have to be two and two by the time they get to play at the Kansas City Chiefs in week five. Yeah, that's they on the road, too. That's yeah. on the road, too. Yeah. They, yeah. Have, to be they, have, they yeah. have to be two and two. Yes. It's that a tough road in the AFC and the AFC. Yeah, because the AFC is AFC is so loaded. Like the, the division, I know it's like some like even though the Broncos seem to be disappointing and, and some of the AFC North teams, like the Browns with the whole suspension situation, may not live up. But I think it's clearly the be- better conference of the two. And there's gonna be, you know, teams that maybe are one or two games over five hundred that don't make the playoffs. And you only have so much wiggle room, especially when your division is so tough and they're also going against the NFC West this year, which is probably gonna be a pretty good division. Yeah, the margin for error is slim, and so like like Josh McDaniel said tonight, they have to learn and, and and also win at the same time. Like they don't have a ton of wiggle room to go through kind of a figuring out process. Um, and so yeah, I mean, it's, it feels early to say must win, but the Titans kind of feels like a must win game going into next week. Well, I think it's definitely a must win. I think it's a must win game for sure. You can't go into the games against the Broncos and Chiefs zero and three. I don't think that. Plus, again, I, I mentioned that the whole I think the doubt thing would just start to grow because, like, again, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. This, this all doom and gloom sounds better for you know next week or two weeks from now. But at some point, players are gonna be like, "Hey, we were in the playoffs last year. <laughs> we replaced our coaching staff, and now we're whatever we are, one three, one and four. Added the best receiver in football. We added Devontae Adams, and uh, we suck. Yeah, we're not doing very well. So they, at some yeah, point, I don't think it's. At some point, that's going to be an issue. But uh, again, I mean, uh, there's enough talent here where they, they can definitely beat the Titans, and then uh, and they definitely can beat the Broncos. So there's definitely talent here to be two and two. I don't think they're down in the dumps on themselves right now, just because I mean, depending on how you look at it, I mean, you know, they had a chance to go into that final drive with the Chargers. They could have theoretically won that game. They should have won like by this game. I, I think they should have lost the Chargers game, but like they could convince themselves into like we should be two and zero right now. Like we're, we're good enough. We're as good as we think we are, that kind of situation. So I don't think they're like, you know, jumping ship yet. I don't, I don't think it's one of those situations. But if they if they lose to the Titans. All right, let's try to send people out of here with a little bit of optimism. What are what are our reasons for optimism? Um, I mean, the first half is that was kind of exactly what you, you want to see out of this offense and this defense. I mean, the defense was really impressive. They were, um, you know, they were giving Kyler Murray trouble. They were getting after him. Um you know, and the offense was was moving the ball. You know, they weren't, 
know, they weren't completely lighting it up, but they were moving the ball efficiently. They were getting down 20 points in the half is, is very good. And, you know, it looked like uh, on the first drive of the game, it looked like it was going to be one of those scary days again for the offensive line when we saw J.J. Watt just absolutely obliterate Jermaine Illuminor um, and, and, and get to Derek Carr. But after that, I mean, their, their whole little uh, – their whole uh, innovative rotation of uh, rotating the right tackle, uh, they, they were fine on on the offensive line, I think. Um, so that's a reason for optimism. The rookie, uh, Dylan Parham, played well at center. I thought he stepped in, and it's tough, it's tough to ask a guy, a rookie, to come in and play center week two. Um, he's been playing mostly guard at, at camp. But um, I thought he played well. I thought the line held up. The Cardinals also have a great pass rush, but uh, I thought they definitely did what they had to do to give the Raiders a chance to win. So that's a positive. I think. I mean, hopefully they can build off that from the next week, and uh, and maybe the coaches are right. Maybe this rotation will be good enough to to not cost them. But um, today, clearly, the offense just couldn't capitalize. Yeah, the offensive line showed us it could be competent when like the other team doesn't have Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, right? And so, I mean, there you go. That's a, that's a positive. That's a positive. Um, positive. Think about uh, if they win this game. If say like a for us and fumble the ball and a kick the field goal. We're talking about that Deron Harmon play. That was an incredible play. That was the play of the game. I mean, that was a that was going to be a that was a what, it's third and short or fourth and short, and it's a long fourth pass. Short. It was a great fourth play down. call, yeah. and he had the um, Hollywood had the ball in his hands. It was going to be a catch. And Harmon came from nowhere and knocked it knocked it loose. So it was a big time play and kind of a game winning type play if they had kind of held on to win, but they uh, did not. And he made a great tackle on the speed option to play before that too. So Harmon looks like a guy, you know. And you get Morig back, yeah. and then you have you, you could do some things with those two. Abram's been fine. Abram hasn't been a, an issue so far, I would say. Yeah, the defense in general, I, I feel I feel pretty good about their defense. Uh, the pass rush, you know, like concerns are, are reasonable. But even with that, I mean, the secondary, like as, as we just said, is making plays even without a couple of starters out there. You know, Devon Diablo had like 15 tackles tonight. I think Jayon Brown had 12. So the linebacker play was pretty good, even without Denzel Perriman. Bilal Nichols did get banged up. But he, had a, he had a shoulder injury uh, late in the second half and, and didn't come back. So we'll, we'll see on that moving forward. Um, but, yeah, the offensive line looked okay. And the defense looks like it can it can make you play enough plays to win a game, which I think they – I would say each of the last two weeks, the defense made enough plays to make both of those games winnable, which is – um, it sounds like a low bar, but I mean, for the Raiders defense, as bad as it's been for like, since I've been like over 10 years old, right? Like, I mean, I like guess that's, that's, that's growth for them, you know? And so, you know, those are, those are a couple of positives and, you know, the sky isn't falling right now. Like it could be next week if they lose, but there's enough positive to, to reasonably expect them to turn it around in the next two weeks and, and go into that, that, the matchup with the chiefs, um, at, at 500 and, and, and not feeling like they're in a, a situation where the, where the season is lost already. Yeah, I agree with your you guys' points that you know the offensive line looks better than we thought, other than right tackle. But everybody, everybody's right tackle in the NFL suck. I mean, trust me, if you guys watch a lot of these, the film, man, the right everybody's right tackle sucks. <laughs> I'm telling y'all before the season, like yeah, every, everybody hates their right tackle. Yeah, uh, but uh, in a defense, they can make some plays. They can make some plays, and uh, they're better. You know, so I think coming into the season, we weren't exactly sure what the defense would look like, but I, I think they're better than average, and let, they can make make some game winning, making enough plays to win games. And I also think Derek Carr is going to continue to get better. I mean, you know, a lot of people are going to roll their eyes and think it's an excuse because, but I, I do think Derek Carr is suffering some, some growing pains learning this this offense. I think he will get better. It's natural. I think definitely for Derek to have some growing pains, it is a new system. It is much different uh, 
play caller than John Gruden was. They're asking for different things. So even though he has this great receiving core, I think there's going to be some glitches. But um, ideally, you, you, what you want to see, like, if you have a great first half and you want to, like, you know, they, they adjust, like Ted said, if they adjust and you adjust back and you should be able to – the weapons you have, you shouldn't have three points uh, in a half. So I think um, uh, growing pains is one thing, but you have to – you have to make some winning plays. I do want to correct one thing I said earlier. Uh-oh. I, I said uh, that the Cardinals only had three possessions in the uh, second half. They had, I was re- misread the box score, uh, the uh, the statute. They had five. Uh, they had uh, that three and out uh, to open the uh, the half, and then uh, had that eleven play touchdown drive. So a lot lot of uh, long drives for them. Uh, but the defense got tired out. Um, but I mean, I, I think I'm still encouraged by the way they played in that first half. And um, I mean, I think. I think they can be okay defensively, and we know the offenses should figure it out. Um, if if Carr and, and McDaniels can get a little bit more on the same page. It did seem like maybe kind of late there in that game that we saw Carr audibly in a little bit, that, that maybe uh, McDaniels was giving him a little bit more freedom to, to do a few things. Um, we saw him change a couple of plays, so uh, maybe uh, maybe Josh will realize that he can't be quite as rigid with uh, with Derek as he, as he could last season with Mac Jones and just uh, – could tell that rookie like yeah you're gonna do whatever the hell i tell you to do. yeah i don't i don't think Derek lost his like check at the line of scrimmage privileges um you know because he was because he was kind of asked in that in that presser last or i guess i guess this week um you know about you know distributing the ball and other people besides Devontae getting the, getting the ball and um you know he was like on certain on certain plays you know he knows where he's going like we, we saw the touchdown of Devontae. he as soon as the ball was snapped, he was just looking there the entire way. He knew I'm throwing the ball here no matter what. But there's other situations where he's able to, you know, go through his progressions and make decisions and audible and things of that nature. And so I don't think, you know, it's completely hands off for Derek Carr at this point. But it, it makes sense early in the season when you're in a new system um, coming into a team that's been in and operating a certain way for a few years to kind of just want them to do what, what, what you know and what you're best at and, and help them get more comfortable in the system before you start allowing people to ad-lib some more and kind of go off script. But, you know, I mean, going into this, I mean, this game against the Titans, like it's kind of one of those, you know, you got to, you got, you have to have this one, I think. Uh, I've warmed up to, to saying that they need this game. And so as time progresses, whether they want to lose this one, I think we'll see Carr get more control over the offense and, and it'll be fine. But yeah, they have too much talent, I think, on offense for me to, you know, they had a, a shitty second half. I think it was our first cuss word this podcast, but they had, they had a shitty second half, but I, I think they'll be all right on offense. Took us 35 minutes, but uh, but Deshaun uh, made sure we got the uh, explicit sign on our on our podcast. The thing well is, it shouldn't be all right, though. I mean, with, this, with those three receivers, you should be a great offense. It's, it's got to be a top five offense, or you've done something wrong in my mind. So the bar is getting a little too low. I mean, this. so I know we're supposed to be – it's tough being positive after – after that game, I mean, I mean, after a twenty, after you blow a twenty point yeah, lead, I mean that's why it's interesting. Like we talk tomorrow, I'll be more positive, but that's a horrible loss. Yeah, we don't, yeah, we don't I mean, have to be positive. I mean, fuck that Carter, shit, right? Carter I mean, like, you know, they, they, this was this this was embarrassing. Like it was, it was terrible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Cardinals looking yeah. at the menu for the flight option menu for food. They're like, what's for dinner, man? Let's get the hell out of here. Yeah, Kyler Murray is about to go, ready to play Call of Duty. He he was done. I mean, he right. wasn't running at all the first half. First half was, I'm not, I'm not running. Are you crazy? Let's get the... Did so, you guys see the uh, the clip, the Cliff Kingsbury quote? It said, usually I've just lost and I'm super hungover on Sundays in Vegas, so this was a good changeup. Well, oh, yeah, there you go. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that'll wrap up 
this episode of State of the Nation. We'll be back later this week to get you ready for that must-win Week 3 game in Tennessee. Uh, we got to get Vic and Deshaun set up at... Uh, at, uh, at my distillery, we got to get you guys some Bell Mead bourbon uh, next week. It's a nine-minute drive from the uh, the stadium to uh, to the distillery, so uh, we'll have to have to get you guys taken care of post game. And um, and uh, hey, the last time we uh, we we drank Bell Mead during a podcast, it was uh, it was a pretty epic win. But all right, guys, we will talk to you again later this week. All right, later, guys. Adios.